Welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. Today, Dr. Tony Smith, a longtime friend who has pastored churches for over 40 years. That's a long time. Churches include Kentucky, Alabama, Alaska, and Guam, and there might be some other ones he might tell us about, but that's where I first met Pastor Tony. We became acquainted on the island of Guam back in the mid-1990s. He was my pastor at the Marianas Baptist Church in Agate, Guam. He also became known as my dive buddy. We use that term a lot in social media back and forth. We've made numerous exciting dives day and night around those beautiful Guam coral reefs. I still remember Tony's face on my first night dive spearfishing with him when I mistakenly hit a pufferfish with my spear. And I think you'll recall that time, won't you, Tony? Uh, I definitely will. I won't forget that time, Byron. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint. Thank you for joining us this afternoon. We haven't talked in a while. We do stay connected through social media. I find out what you're up to. I know you're in Alabama now. You just recently completed pastoring a church. You were kind of interim pastor for a while. Is that right? Byron, we have a new program now through our Southern Baptist Convention. It's, I think, some of the best training for senior pastors that want to go through and be able to uh, help churches in a transition. So it's called a transitional interim pastor training. And I just spent 17 months with a church here in uh, Alabama. We took this church uh, through a, a transition that a lot of churches need to go through. So that, that's some great training for senior pastors. I highly recommend it, and it's a need in our convention right now. So even after all these 40 years of experience pastoring, you've learned a lot of the do's and the don'ts and how-to's in church pastoring, you still saw a need to go through this training. Oh, absolutely. You know, and I'm a, uh, I'm a uh, licensed counselor, senior mental health specialist, and chemical addiction specialist. And, and, of course, I've been into counseling for a lot of years. This training was very good because it gave uh, senior pastors the opportunity to come together. Back several years ago, they came out with a program called Revitalization, and uh, it was kind of revitalizing the churches, trying to bring them back. And uh, again, we are at a point that uh, if the church ever needed to be brought back, it's now. That's a great word there. Well, you know, to have been a part of that early church would have been, I'm sure, a wonderful experience. God was working in some powerful ways. Daily there were reports of new people coming to faith in Christ. It was an exciting time, but even the early church was not perfect. It had its problems. There was a problem of hypocrisy with Ananias and Sapphira. The church at Corinth had many problems that seemed to come from people who could not or would not detach themselves from the world's values where they lived. Sounds like a similar place where we are today in the church, especially here in America. There was quarreling, cliques were forming, a man was sleeping with his father's wife, wealthier people, not eating with poor people. Spiritual gifts were being turned into acts of pride. There was a, a sense of competition. You know, I've heard it said, Tony, if you ever find the perfect church, don't join it because you're going to spoil it. <laughs> yeah, I've preached that many times myself. You know, as a pastor, there none of us that are perfect serve a perfect Savior. Amen. That's, that's where it's at. When you talk about issues of the church and addressing issues, would you agree in order to solve problems in the local church, both the leaders and the people must be spiritual people in submission to God's Word? Absolutely. And, you know, as a, uh, a transitional interim pastor, one of the things with the transitional um, agreement as you go into a church, 
is they give you the power to hit the reset button. That's powerful because there's some of our churches definitely need to be reset. And one of the problems today is that the struggle that goes on in the politics of the church has created a lot of the dissension, power struggles, if such. So pastoral authority has been lost through the years. And it's not a matter of the preacher running the church, but it's a matter of him following the guidance of the Holy Spirit to lead that church where God wants to take that church. So what happens through the years of uh, ungodly leadership, and let me just use those words, because it happens not only within the body, it happens with with pastors, because we're not always perfect, we make mistakes, but it creates a situation and a foothold and a stronghold for Satan to move in, and he takes leadership in the minds of people and begins to lead the churches in the wrong direction. So any given time in the state of Alabama, state of Georgia and many other states, there's an average of about 250 Southern Baptist churches without pastors. Well, we talked some about this yesterday on the phone, and the shortage of pastors in Alabama and Georgia. Dr. Bruce McAllister, director of pastor relations at Bob Jones University, states that change in thinking has occurred in recent years, especially among professing Christian parents. Moreover, some parents consider a life of ministry as a step down in the quality of life. Are we failing to raise our children in the service of ministry? I think a lot of things are happening with pastors today. Theologically, the foundations are being rocked. I've gone through some of those issues as a transitional pastor working with staff, young staff that's come in, and and, and sometimes it has to do with the universal salvation and has to do with no limits and, and no bars and it doesn't matter what you believe just as long as you, you've got a faith in, in God or in something. Um, we're at a time that we're losing our foundation. Now, it's not norm right now for the church. And I'm not saying that normal is where we need to be because normal's got us in trouble. That's my feeling. But we need to understand there are biblical principles and guides and biblical doctrines that we have strayed away from that I think has created a lot of problems within the body of Christ, as well as we brought the world into the church. And, of course, that's not the people. They need to be in church, but the world's way of of running the church. And I think that's where a lot of the problem is, by the How do the expectations that pastors have play into them leaving the ministry? Well, you know, uh, the expectation is that we work together as a team. I, I the uh, transitional internet is that I built a team around me to go into a, a pretty large church, spend 17 months there, that had, had some issues. And the issues uh, had been with staff. The issues had been with a past pastor. The issues, had, it didn't happen overnight. It was years of not working together, not seeking what God's will is, and everyone having their own agenda. It's not about Tony. It's not about Byron. It's about what God's will is. And man's having a hard time today finding God's will because they're not walking close enough with God to know God's will, not spending enough time with God, and not standing God's word long enough to find how God speaks to us through his word. And so when we go to the pulpit and we're not deep into the word of God and not picking and choosing, but I'm talking word for word going through that Bible, and preaching God's word and the truth of God's word, and let the you know let the word fall where it falls, 
And so when it was a transitional enter, that's one of the contracts with the church, is that we come in and hit the reset button, and you follow these guidelines. And some of the stuff, you know, it's like uh, they used to say, the baby's bathwater gets dirty, you throw it out, you yeah. get rid of it. And the Bible's clear on that, that there's things in the church that need to be taken out. In the Old Testament, when they cleaned up the temple, they went in and they took a look at what needed to be taken out of the temple and what needed to be rebuilt back into the temple when it was ungodly. So wow. there's some things we need to take out of the church and bring back to the church that was once there. And that's where the struggle is today. People are struggling with what made the church the church. I can imagine, especially in the times we're living now, with everybody having their own opinions and mindsets, like you said, everybody's kind of almost free for all. That's spilled over in the thinking of many churchgoers as they look at being part of a church ministry. And so when you try to go in and hit the reset button, I can imagine that there's a lot of different emotions that start flying around. Oh, it is. It's a lot of different emotions, and sometimes... uh some staff maybe need to go. Maybe they, they're not called. Maybe they're not called to that particular church. Maybe it's all about the money. That's that's an issue, I think, in the pastor today. It's all about how much money can I make or how, how big of a church can I grow. So when you have that mentality, and you know, you know, when we went to Guam, you went with Trans World Radio, and I went I, as a call missionary and pastor to Guam. Those churches were struggling churches. There wasn't a good home to live in. Look how many transitions our lives went through on that island. But yet we had success. We grew a church. But we had some things that happened, and I was thinking about that yesterday. Look at the typhoons we went through. Look at the Korean air crash that we we worked with. Major, major events that transitioned our church into ministry. And remember what Marianas Baptist Church did during the Korean air crash that received the Salvation Army Church of the Year Award because we went into a very difficult situation and ministered to victims of a plane crash yeah. in the recovery process. And I think about that, and it's helped me as a pastor, Byron, and I'm sure that you realize this too, Tyson Parker, look what it did. And we brought the church back better than what it was. Oh, my. I remember Typhoon Paca, our little church, Marianas Baptist <laughs> Church. It literally peeled the roof off. Water flooded. 22 inches. Yeah, 22 inches within nine hours for that typhoon, which, matter of fact, it was one of the most powerful storms recorded on history. 196 miles an hour sustained winds. And I believe the wind gust broke the wind gauge at Anderson Air Force Base at 227. Yeah, it was unbelievable. I didn't know if we'd live to see the next day. Yeah. I didn't know if we had, you know, our families gathered in a one room in our homes, and every time one of those big gusts of wind come through, take that concrete home and just shatter it. You know, our lives do get shattered by them. We do. And uh, it wakes us up to what reality is. And I think the church today is being shattered. It's being, and I've told people, you know, I've told uh, someone that was talking to me who all about some pastors and directors and missions that called me, and I told them, I said, the church is destabilized, and this is maybe God's will to show us that it's not about a building. It's not about that at all, and and that's where I've had to take churches through the years of being a missionary and a pastor. And Back in 2010, I went to Africa, Byron, and uh, I was back on Guam then. It's been another seven and a half years, and and I went to Africa to do a a pastor's conference in uh, 
on reconciliation and restitution. I had an opportunity to speak to about 20 different tribes, and two of those tribes put each other's heads off in social unrest. Uh, the Collegian tribe and the Kikuyu tribe. And during that time, I realized that the church today needs to reconcile itself with God and with each other. And the Bible says if we don't reconcile with our brothers and sisters, that we can't reconcile with God. Wow. And we brought a tremendous peace to that while we were there, that I saw those two chiefs hug each other's neck and ask forgiveness. Why can't the church do that? Well, I mean, the word says that they will know that you are my disciples by your love for one another. But with all these conflicts and divisions within the church and what the world needs now, especially in light of this worldwide pandemic we're living in, they need to see the real love of Jesus. But when they look to the church, they see division and conflict. That's where we're at. And we wonder why we have 250 churches on the average without pastors and a lot of those pastors have been, let me tell you, they have been hurt. I've been hurt in the pastor. You've been hurt working in ministries. We all have. But we need to stop shooting our brother and sister in the foot. We're to be an emergency room, a rescue mission. We have gotten the world's. We're dealing with things the way the world deals with things. Wow. Well, Tony, do you think there should be more uh, mentoring or discipling to raise up men within the church congregation to lead the ministry once a pastor leaves or retires? You know, we have these pulpit committees that are formed, search committees looking for a new pastor. Should we be mentoring within our own congregations young men to raise up to take over church leadership? I think that's a big part of the problem is mentoring. Uh, you know, when men come out of the military, let me give you a good example of this. Uh, when they come out of the military, there's not a good process that I've seen, because I have three son-in-laws who've been in the military. And I can tell you, when they come out of the military, there's not a good process to bring them back to their family. There's not a, I've done a lot of counseling with military families, and the process needs to be better uh, of bringing them back away from what they had been in the military to be back as a husband and as a, as a parent and come back to the real world because they've been in a war. They've been wounded and uh, many times in more ways than you can imagine. And that transition to bring them back is one that's not done well. The military's working on that, but the uh, military does a lot of good things. But I've experienced as a, as a counselor, on Guam, working with a lot of military families, with my own family, that that's one of the problems. Well, I look at the church in a lot, a lot of ways, and ministers and being hurt. And I remember uh, Christy and I both graduated from Bible College in Eastern Kentucky, and my wife went, went to Bible College alongside of me before I even went on to seminary and graduate school. She learned a lot about the hurt. There's going to be some hurt along the way. How do we deal with with hurt. So the church is dealing with a lot of hurt. But if we don't minister to each other through that hurt and understand that there's no problem so great that God cannot solve, yes. whether it's in your family or in a church or in our world that we're living in today. You know, that little sign used to stay on my desk. Uh, and I kept it on my desk for years and years. When my son-in-law died of cancer two years ago, I took it to the hospital and put it beside his bed. To this day, my daughter has that sign there. I passed it on. There's no problem so great that God cannot solve. 
He may solve it in a way we don't understand. But with the church today, that mentoring needs to be there to help these pastors learn how to solve. And that's why I think counseling is a a big plus for me in my background because I learned how to solve problems. I learned how to to bring that uh, restitution and reconciliation that needs to be. When we talk about these shortage of pastors, Tony, you know, I've heard pastor friends of mine who have applied for particular church openings for a pastor to say their resume was one of over several hundred resumes seeking that same position. So one would think that there's more than enough pastors to fill these pastor roles, these church needs. I think one of the issues, too, today, uh, that's very true. Uh, the search committee that I helped work with here uh, to get the new pastor, they had hundreds of resumes that came in, but they had no experience. They had degrees and a lot of no experience, and then they looked at their doctrinal statements of what the foundation was. They looked at how they preached. They looked at their experience dealing with people. Believe it or not, they came back to me and they said, hey, we found very few because of their backgrounds. And they went back and they did you know, they get credit checks on them. They call their churches, and and if they haven't had a, a good pastor history, pastoral history, in the way they operate, they're not going to be called. But I think one of the big mistakes today, and I'm not saying this because I'm a senior pastor, you know, I've made a decision to be a transitional vendor to help churches through these things, is that they're missing the boat on a lot of times saying, well, he's too old. He may be older than a lot of your congregation, but you need to think about his experience and his wisdom. Because I know a lot of senior pastors that bowed out of the ministry early because nobody wanted them. But yet they were still healthy enough to pastor and could bring that fire into the pulpit. You know, but today, I don't know if people want preaching. You don't know, uh, do they want something that feels good? I think that's what part of the problem is also. And the church not following the biblical guidelines of and understanding what they do need. Because every church has a gift mix, you know that, different gift mix. They need to be aware of what God is calling to the church for that particular time. Similar to the church at Corinth again, you know, a very carnal, fleshly body that Paul had to address. We're seeing that here in the Church of America and its need to respond to God's call for us to separate ourselves, that sanctification process, our spiritual walk, to seek his face, his word, and to grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ. We know, Tony, since seminary students, most of whom were raised and formed in large churches, feel called to serve in the kind of churches in which they were raised, should they plan on pursuing work maybe based on their undergraduate degrees in addition to finding a church to pastor? I think number one is their call. What they call it? You know, I think one of the greatest experiences of my life and my ministry, I learned so much by working with people of different cultures. And we look at America today, and I think, again, this comes back to We have all types of belief systems that have creeped into our nation through our ability to bring people in from foreign countries and help them to become citizens, plus we have people that are not citizens. And so the world's come to America. But I've heard many, many professionals say, but we weren't prepared for it. And uh, the transition for them to understand our biblical faith and Christianity as we know Christianity today, is kind of being not changed, but 
a different twist put on it to make it different than the biblical foundation is. So I think that's where some of the weakness is today is that these pastors uh, have not either been trained well, had enough experience to deal with some of the major issues you're going to face with people of different cultures. Well, of course, the coronavirus pandemic has greatly challenged the dynamic of church ministry, causing the church to look for new ways to communicate with its congregation and the outreach it has in the communities where they serve. Yeah, definitely. The the church has been destabilized. The churches that are being successful through this are are churches that are not running ahead of God. I know that I've been asked to come in some churches and and help them just in the last few months. to get back into the church. Some of those issues I'm reluctant to because they're not following guidelines. They're not thinking about the safety of people. They're thinking, and I hate to say this, but I'm thinking churches are thinking too much about their tithes and offerings, which most churches are down right now. But I encourage people that we met on 60-some acres with a pavilion and preached outside for several months and weeks and on the radio doing online programs and uh, encourage people to understand that staff is still working. We're doing what we can. And the church that are successful is coming back. They're finding themselves almost having to restart. I mean, you can take churches of four or 500, and they'll only find maybe 100 some people trying to come back. And a church has been, in a sense, segregated, practicing social distancing, wearing masks, and taking temperatures, and people are afraid to come back. So I'm telling people, you know, don't destabilize your church by pushing it. The church is still the church. It's not a building. It's a congregation of born-again believers. Great word, Tony. What advice or word of encouragement would you offer a new pastor, maybe someone seeking God about a call on their life to become a pastor? Pray about what God's will is and which direction God wants to take you. Prepare yourself. I was told years ago a call to preach is a call to prepare and you'll prepare for the rest of your life. And the preparation is not just academic. We get tied into the the seminary, which seminary should I go to, which doctrinal program I need to have. I mean, we don't want to miss the heart issue, right? The preparation of the heart. Exactly. The heart is the main one. You have to prepare yourself, and then you'll find God's will. If God opens those doors, step into them. I I was amazed how God took me uh, uh, down the road of chemical addiction and... and, uh, you know, that work in counseling grew my ministry. You knew that on Guam. You know, when I worked with Oasis Empowerment Center. The second time I was there, I worked with Salvation Army. The first time I was there, prison ministry. And the list went on and on. And, of course, you and I talked about it on the island while we were there. But that's where it's at, is finding God's will for your ministry and what God is calling you to do. That Part of it may be outside the church. I think that's where we're missing a lot of ministry today. And something else you mentioned just a moment ago about you built a team around you to help you in the work of restarting a church, revitalizing a church. So it's important who you do have around you. It is. And uh, going in as a transitional pastor, they give you the authority to pick a team. Now, you're still going to be working with staff. And you use that staff as part of that team. But you pick out these leaders, and you go in there, and if the leaders are stable and the leaders are doing their best, and they want what's best for the church, and they have a team concept attitude about building and operating the church and finding God's will. That, that team's purpose is to find what God's will is and purpose for that particular church 
and that's their mission statement. Is they develop that mission statement again, they go back to that foundation of why that church existed. And always remember, the church is an inherited witness to a community, and it needs to stay that. Does that make sense? Say that one more time. It's an inherited witness through year after year after year that church was planted. People paid a price for that church to be planted in that community. Somebody sacrificed. Somebody gave. Somebody worked. Somebody prayed. And God took that faith and built that church, gave that an inherited witness to that community. And when that falls, it destroys the community because it is the only stabilizing factor we have today. It's like being handed that baton in a race, Tony, similar, you know? Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. It's kind of like when I left Guam the second time. My associate pastor, Pastor Rob Puckett, was uh, with me for seven and a half years, retired major out of the Air Force. When I left Guam and I knew God was finished with me and I'm coming back to the U.S. from Guam, I passed the baton on to him because he had been mentored under me for seven and a half years. And he's still there today, Byron. Wow. Over 20-some years on that island. What a wonderful testimony. Well, Tony, how can we learn more about your ministry? Are you on Facebook, Twitter? you have an email address if somebody wanted to ask additional questions? I sure do. My email address is a little different. I, I used to be pastorsmith at hotmail.com. There are so many pastorsmiths, and I have a hobby of box farming. So I thought, you know, I'm a farmer. I'm an F hard. I'm a so I had it's box farmer sixty seven at hotmail dot com. Box so, farmer sixty seven. Box like B O X. B O X. Box farmer sixty seven at hotmail dot com. Tony, God bless you, my brother. It is always good to talk to you. I wish we had some uh, air tanks to go blow some bubbles and a dive. Wouldn't that be fun? Oh, man, uh, I miss it so much. I really do. But you know what? I'm enjoying just serving the Lord and uh, helping churches. That's my big thing now. My re- days, I, I, your pastor never retires. I say I'm more than retired. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I think the key element for senior pastors is don't stop. You know, keep on keeping on for the Lord and God will open the doors for you because somewhere somebody needs you. They need your wisdom. Maybe a younger pastor you can mentor. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. God bless you, Tony. Thank you for what you're doing for Christ's kingdom. Continue to do through your ministry. We're going to have to say goodbye. Thank you, Byron. It's good to talk with you again. Thanks for joining us on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler, and we'll talk to you next time. 